0: Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is Dustin Goodwin. He's in the HR industry, specifically in the software as a service space, looking to increase his revenue. So congratulations, Dustin. For your guys' chance to win 100 bucks every Monday on the show to build your idea, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444. This is episode 368. Coming up tomorrow morning, you'll hear from Anant Kale. She gets, has 22 customers that pay $50,000 per year with her SaaS application, AppZen.com. Top drive. Good morning to you. Our guest today is Rand Fishkin, and he uses the ludicrous title Wizard of Moz, which we'll talk about later. He's the founder and former CEO of Moz board member at presentation software startup Haiku Deck, and co-author of a pair of books on SEO, and the co-founder of Inbound.org. Rand, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. All right, let's do this. So first things first, tell us what Moz does and how Moz generates revenue.
1: Sure. So Moz is a software company. We have a self-service software as a service SaaS model, uh, and we primarily help web marketing professionals, both in-house web marketers and consultants and agencies uh, with SEO. And our software is designed to help track and monitor, audit, uh, discover opportunities, analyze competition, all those kinds of things that you need to do
0: for SEO. And you did something remarkable recently in the business, which was replacing yourself as CEO. I want to get to that in a second, but first I want people to get some context on kind of business size. So give us the story. Sure. What year was the business founded in?
1: Well, it depends what you mean by founded, but uh, uh, the, <laughs> software, the software company Moz was founded in 2007, although it had existed for a, as a blog for four years prior to that.
0: Uh, kind of my own personal side project blog. So what was the main asset of the blog that you used to launch Moz? Did you build a big email list?
1: Um, We did, but we didn't use that until 2009. Oh, geez. (laughs) Funny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So literally the thing that launched the software uh, as a service product was I put up a blog post saying, we now have software <laughs> that you can subscribe hysterical. to via PayPal. <laughs> and, uh, and back in those days, uh, yeah, apparently that, that was enough. We built many... up a lot of loyal daily readers. And so uh, that
0: became kind of our, our primary marketing channel. How many people read that article and how many people purchased and what was the price to PayPal uh, to get access to the software? I wish I could
1: tell you I was sophisticated enough to track all those things, (laughs) I was not. So I can tell you that in the first six months, we had uh, about 400 people sign up, maybe a little more than that, and... By the middle of the year, it was about half of our consulting revenue. And so we saw that by the end of the year, it would be neck and neck. We'd essentially have, you know, half software, half consulting revenue. And that, that made us really stand up and take notice. Like, wow, we have done almost no work on this thing, except <laughs> build these tools and then launch them. Maybe this is a, a more interesting model than all the consulting work we have to do. Uh, that what, being was said, that?
0: what was that amount, by the way? What was the consulting amount in 2007?
1: Uh, let's see. So the full year, 2007, I think revenue was $850,000. It was 400K in consulting and 450 in software. Wow. Okay. And then the next year we, you know, backed off on consulting. I think we did $300,000 worth of consulting in 2008 and software went to 1.1 1. 1 million. Um, and then the next year it was, gosh, what was it? It was like point. Two million in software and nine hundred thousand in consulting.
0: Huh. Do you recommend so. this, Rand? You you now advise a bunch of companies, and you know there's a lot of sure. you know I have a lot of folks on the show, and some of the most successful where they they start out with like a consulting or agency model. They use that for cash flow to find problems, and when they find a problem that they can sell to enough of their clients, they double down on software. Is that kind of a a pattern that you would recommend to entrepreneurs you're working with or investing in?
1: I think it can be a very fine model. Uh, that being said, you're assigning me far too much sophistication than what we had at the time. Um, <laughs> I really was a, a complete rank amateur. And so I, I would say that uh, one of the challenges here that I see many, many folks make, and I talk to, uh, I've to, i talked to hundreds of consultants over the years who've wanted to productize and build software and those kinds of things. Um, and the the real story is that while you think that the hard part is finding a pain point and then building the software, uh, the true hard part is launching that software, getting enough people on your software to make a real difference, which means having a great marketing channel for it um, and then having a phenomenal retention rate. Those are the true challenges of a software-based business, and they are not apparent to you when you are searching out that problem as a consultant. Mm. Uh, so I would, I would caution folks to think, hey, we have identified this pain point. There's only you know crappy software today that solves it, or uh, there's nothing that solves this pain point. And we know a bunch of people in, in this space. Uh, let's build the software to do it. Just be prepared for the fact that you have identified the tip of an iceberg, not the iceberg itself.
0: It's, that's that's great advice so walk us through some of the economics that that Moz is seeing now in 2015 what was what was total revenue
1: I think we were at 30 was it 39 million 39 point3 something around there
0: okay uh, and, and if and we waited we'll the low 40s this year yeah. low 40s and if we break down if we go deep and start talking about some of the things you just discussed like retention rate do you know what's the last month you kind of know the numbers for do you know the numbers for like April 2016?
1: Uh, yeah, it was, 6.3% was six point three percent. Was churn rate eight. okay? Monthly churn, yep. Okay, so in
0: April of uh, twenty sixteen,
1: uh, you got to be careful, right? So in a self service SaaS business, one of the challenges with um, monthly churn rate is, is that, that gross you or net? Uh, that is gross. Okay. Um. So one of the challenges with monthly churn rate is that you can. could be a terrible churn rate, but it could also be a pretty decent or even a reasonably good churn rate. And that is because of how cohorts can work. So, for example, if I told you in paying month uh, one and two, my churn rate is above 40%, but after that, uh, it drops to below 2%. Great. Well, that's great. Great. Right. Yeah. That is absolutely just fine. Right. But if I have more like a 10 percent, 9 percent, 8 percent, 6 percent ongoing and then 5 percent after year one, that's that's pretty shitty. Yep. Um, so you just have to do this cohort analysis. You can't just look at raw churn and say that's the only thing that matters. So, for, you know, for example, in a haiku deck board meeting, because Deck is a relatively new company, at least uh, on the paid side. It's only had the paid model around for uh, a little over a year. Oh, not even a year, actually, July of last year. And so we, you know, we'll, we'll sit down and we'll do the cohort analysis, but we'll be very careful to say what happened to the people who've been with us, you know, six months and longer. What about the people who've been with us nine months and longer? What about the people who are coming up on their year tenure? What do those churn rates look like? Because that's the true predictor of a successful product, right? That you're essentially able to keep those hardcore, passionate customers around who really, really love you. And it's okay if, especially if you have a self-service model, right? Where you're not investing a ton of sales energy, closing deals. If in the first month or two, you're losing, you know, a larger number
0: of folks who essentially are self-selecting out of the project. Yeah. Or there's like, you have a two month free trial or something and then they drop out. Well,
1: yeah, you can, you can almost think of a lot of self-service SaaS as essentially a paid trial period for the first one to three months. Yep,
0: yep. And the, the tricky thing about churn is, and there's, there's so many levers because people just call it churn, but many times people don't ask the questions, well, is that gross churn or net churn? And is that customer count churn or revenue churn? Because sometimes low, you know, I'm revenue, giving you, yeah. what was your number? I'm giving you customer count churn. Gross. Okay. So that 6.3 is gross customer churn. Customer count churn. Yep. Customer mm-hmm. count churn. So, and I imagine... Well, actually, I don't know, because I I haven't looked at this in a while. I imagine you guys are doing a lot in terms of upsell revenue, additional seats and things like that. Uh,
1: I would say a lot is being generous. We are doing a small amount in terms of upsell. But yes, ARPU is uh, increasing every month. And um, we do sell. We don't sell uh, more seats individually, but as you move up in higher price packages, you can get more people onto a multi-seat model. And you know, sort of more access to data
0: and those kinds of things. So yes, a little, a little bit. So the question uh, I was curious about, Rand, that I was building to there was, have you guys hit net negative revenue churn? Hell no. You haven't hit that yet? No. <laughs> no that, that sounds, sounds amazing. It's like the holy but, yeah. grail, right? <laughs>
1: right. And in fact, uh, I, to my knowledge. I <laughs> just said, hell no. <laughs> hell no. Uh, dear God, do you know what, I mean, do you realize what you would have to sell? It's so rare. Just to give you context, we have 23, about 23,000 paying customers. And so in order to have net negative revenue churn uh, on a self-service model with 6.3% average monthly churn, we would have to be upselling customers at, a, at an insane rate, right? Like everyone would have to be buying uh, almost double what they bought last year, this year. Wait, hold
0: um, on. Is that, six, you told it me that 6.3%? For, for small businesses. That six point three percent number you told me—I thought you said that was gross customer churn, or is that you said that was yes, revenue
1: churn? gross gross customer gross monthly customer churn? So in order to have net negative revenue churn, uh, you know, to uh, you would need the rest of your customers to be
0: buying more and more and more uh, at an incredibly high rate, right? Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to get at though is sometimes you'll see these really really high. Gross customer churn numbers, but the customers churning are really low ARPU. Oh, so one upsell can make up for ten. You know what I mean? Ah,
1: gotcha. Yes. And we are we are much less in that realm because we don't actually serve enterprise customers. So we top oh. out at about five hundred bucks a month. Um, we are really designed for the small and medium business and the small to medium consultants and agencies. Got it. Um, and we are used by a ton of like you know Fortune five thousand companies, but essentially they they have small research based accounts with us, and then we recommend that they go with you know a true enterprise SEO provider, someone like a. a that or serps.com or somebody like that Got uh, to get that data.
0: Got it. And I, I know you've already updated the the Moz numbers in the Excel sheet with all the SaaS companies at NathanLacka.com yeah. forward slash all. But let's just real quick, uh, what, what's uh, we'll just do April. Um, what was uh ARPU?
1: hundred and nineteen dollars, a little more than, than that, like one nineteen sixty, something like that.
0: Okay, about 119 bucks is what the average average customer pays per month. And what about customer acquisition yep. cost? <laughs>
1: That's a tough one for us, but uh, generally, it's sitting around a $100, 110 dollars, right in there. And tell me <laughs> what makes it you...
0: tricky for you guys to measure. What what adds complication there for you?
1: Yeah, because uh, remember, Moz has five, or actually six different products, and so there's there's question about like, does every single marketing, does all the marketing cost go into just Pro, which is essentially our, um, you know, the product that I'm talking to you about, our largest product which is responsible for 85 to 90% of our revenue? Mm-hmm. Um, or should we split things out based on other ones? And, yep. you know, how yep. much of it is brand marketing versus individual product marketing? So cost, cost of customer acquisition is a real challenge. Yep. Um, but the nice thing is, so it is definitely somewhere between, depending on how you want to calculate it, $90 and
0: $120. Great. And what's lifetime value on average?
1: Uh, let's see. I think, again, depends if you want to call it across the entire cohort. I think average customer life is like 9.5 months or something, 10 months, something like that. Uh, But if you do qualified customers only, so we do a few things. We, we have this qualified customer segment, which is essentially you make it past month three paid month three, Uh and we call you a qualified customer. And now we have qualified customer, RRPU, qualified customer, uh, oh, churn smart. qualified customer, cost of customer acquisition, all of those numbers.
0: Really smart. So you're, you have a great, I mean, in terms of just across your whole customer base, if you do an LTV to CAC ratio, I mean, it looks like you're looking at like a one to 10 or one to nine or one to eight almost. Oh, yeah. which is We're great. Insane. Yeah. So are you just dumping money into some of these channels now or you want to hold that ratio? <laughs>
1: No, we want to we actually don't want to dump money into these channels because our sense is that the churn rate is way too high and we cannot afford to churn through, um, you know, a huge segment of our market and and disappoint a lot of them. And so instead uh, we are doing the opposite where essentially we're being moderately conservative, I'd say with marketing spend, not trying to fill the funnel dramatically more than what we already have, which is between 150 and 200 new free trials every day. um, And essentially say, Hey, how do we uh, get this product so that it is stickier and more addictive and better and, you know, serves these customers. I think, look, if we get down to 4% Four percent, maybe or under gross churn, or uh, below two percent for qualified customer churn, then we would be
0: feeling a lot more comfortable about dumping dollars. in. I love that you bring this up because I had been studying Constant Contact for years and years and years, and it always baffled me on their investor calls where they would they would they would very much brag about customer growth, but when you looked at the actual numbers, it was they added sixty thousand new, they churned fifty thousand, and I'm going. Right. If you're turning that many per month, eventually you're going to churn through the whole small business market. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so Pretty why much. would you why would you keep spending money acquiring customers? Yeah, I think for them, their their big
1: answer from that, in my memory, is that they had a high recidivism rate. So something like thirty percent of all signups, you know, in the last few years, were people who had signed up with them before. So basically, they. You know, they were kind of like
0: off and on holiday seasonal accounts.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was kind of like who is like that a little bit. Costco is like that a little bit. Right. Where essentially like you um, have customers who are like addicted to you for a while, and then they don't come for a long time, and then they come back to you and go to you again for a while, and then they leave and that kind of thing. Uh, It's almost like the car sales market, right? It's like, well, if we can make you into a loyal Toyota customer, you know, Toyota might get money from you every five to 15
0: years. (laughs) Yep. It drives analysts crazy, though, right? I mean, that's so hard to forecast.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, predictability on that is is crappy and that's
0: no fun. So Rand, we're getting close to the end and I want to dedicate at least a minute or two to this question. You made the decision to replace yourself as CEO. Walk me through the thinking there. Why'd you do it and was it tough?
1: Yeah, it was super tough um, and not a a tremendously fun experience. So for me, this was a decision around where I was at at the time. Um, You know, I have been pretty public about this I had a pretty serious bout of depression and um, mental and emotional illness are don't don't make for a good match with the CEO role in a growing company they are not what the traits that inspire people to give their best um, and as such you know i talked with my investors my board and with uh, my executive team and, and we made the call to uh, replace me with with sarah bird who'd been my chief operating officer for a long time and and is one of my best friends in the world um and i think that was the that was the right decision but it's it's painful and really hard and uh you know i think that um that bout of depression didn't make it any easier so how are you, a tough
0: thing. How are you doing now, health wise? I mean, are you feeling better generally? Yeah, much better,
1: or? much much better. Um, Is you what are was Self aware too.
0: That was in Rand. Was that back in 2014 or 15? When when did that 14. happen? 14. 14. Yep. 14. Yeah. So, so what, end of 2013 into beginning of 2014. Okay, so you're you're feeling better now, and what what what's consuming most of your time? Are you kind of that since you don't have to manage operational stuff? or you you're the kind mm-hmm. of the face? You can go speak, you can write books, do whatever you want, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know about that last part, but uh, (laughs) the other bits are true. Um, Yeah, so I run uh, two of our product and engineering teams here, not as the people manager, but as the sort of product architect um, deciding on the roadmap and features and functionality and those kinds of things. That's our big data team and our research tools team. And then uh, I also do a tremendous amount of speaking and promotion and content creation for the company and, you know, um, podcasts and interviews and, um, you know, hosting discussions and roundtables and generally trying to help people do better marketing uh, all over the world. So that's um that's something I'm passionate about and I I do get a lot of personal value from that uh, as well as professional value.
0: Well, Rand it's a great story, Moz is growing fast. If people want to connect to you personally and kind of follow your journey as the growth continues, where can they do that?
1: Best place is uh, moz.com/rand. That's my personal blog or uh, on Twitter at randfish.
0: Sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. The greatest business show on earth is coming to Austin, Texas with the addition of two capuchin monkeys that can write cold emails and they close harder and faster than most of your salespeople. You don't want to miss it. Go to nathanlacka.com forward slash Austin live to get your tickets now. These monkeys are unbelievable. Top Tribe. We will link to that in the show notes at nathanlacka.com forward slash the top 368. Again, forward slash the top Three, six, eight. All right, Rand, it's time for the wrap-up part of the show called The Famous Five. Are you ready? Ready. Number one, what's your favorite business book?
1: A Billionaire Who Wasn't.
0: Ooh, I haven't heard of that one. That's rare. What, yeah, who it's who a story about
1: Chuck Feeney, the founder of um, Duty Free, and uh, really remarkable book. So Chuck Feeney is, is the guy who basically inspired like the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation and Warren Buffett and the, um, you know, the giving pledge. So
0: really inspiring guy. Number two. And very low profile. Yeah. It sounds like I had never heard of that. That's great. I'm going to read that immediately. And number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
1: Um, yeah, you know, I've been, um, very impressed with what, uh, Heather Bruner's doing with WP Engine, you know, I think that's a, a great business and a great model for us to follow because um, they're also very self-service.
0: Is there is there an acquisition waiting to happen there?
1: <laughs> yes, please, Heather, reach <laughs> out by us. Let's go.
0: No, I was <laughs> no, hoping to be I, the I, other I suspect way. suspect not. They're but, a little um, smaller than you guys, I think, right? I think they are a little smaller yeah. than us. I mean, you could you know team up with one of some of your investors and make that happen. Sure. Uh, Heather, if you're out there, give us a call. We'll make it happen. All right. Number three, Rand, what's your favorite online tool besides Moz? I
1: love BuzzSumo. That is a phenomenal tool for investigating uh, content that other people are producing and seeing what's working and what's not working for them.
0: All right. Noah Kagan. there you go. He's jumping up and down right now, Rand. He's, he owes you for that one. Number four, <laughs> is there yes or no? Are you getting eight hours of sleep every night?
1: Uh, Not quite. My Fitbit says that I am averaging 732 this week. So
0: That is pretty good. And last last question, Rand. And actually, what's your situation real quick before I ask this? Are you you married, single? you have kids? Married, no kids. Okay. And how old are you? 36. Okay. So last question. Take us back 16 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew?
1: Software engineering (laughs) to join another startup before trying to do his own. Uh, and probably. Uh, start dating Geraldine, stick with her. That's going to work
0: out real well. <laughs> there you go. Top job. You heard it here from Rand. He Launched Moz as a blog many, many years ago. In 2007, officially got the software underway. They did about 300 or 450K software in the first year. By 2015, it did over $39 million on track to do low 40s here in 2016 with really healthy unit economics. Rand Fishkin, thank you for taking us to the top. My pleasure. Thanks, Rand. For- If you enjoyed Rand today, go back and listen to George yesterday. He's raised $94 million via a car marketplace and has over 270 employees. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars, and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Folks, the greatest business show on earth is coming to Austin, Texas on October 6th, featuring a gorgeous red carpet. So much press, the lights are gonna blind you. It's gonna be unbelievable. Fancy cars, there's gonna be billionaires battling on stage. Product launches happening live on stage so you can watch how they sell millions. Startups going from bootstrap to billions. Penthouse Mastermind, a Grammy performance from somebody who you know very well. They're on TV all the time. They win so many awards. Their voice is un believable it's going to be an event that you're never going to want to miss the greatest business show on earth i guarantee you've never seen anything like this capuchin monkeys selling on stage and more go to nathanladkacom forward slash austin live to get your tickets now that's nathanladkacom forward slash austin live we're almost sold out get your tickets and see if you qualify to walk the red carpet